Tēnā no mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and you're listening to Animal Matters. Last week, the government released its annual budget, setting out what initiatives would be allocated new spending. Despite the deficits in animal welfare in New Zealand, not a single dollar was allocated for animal welfare spending. And the racing industry has another doping scandal. This time, two thoroughbred horses that tested positive for methamphetamine on Anzac Day. We'll discuss the latest from this desperate industry. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals. We release new episodes every week, so make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animalmatters. Every year, the government's budget announcement always sees a flurry of activity in the media. It's a time when advocates campaign heavily for extra spending in their respective areas of interest, whether that be housing, poverty or the environment, and political junkies opine on which way the wind is blowing in terms of the government's allocation of spending. Leading up to the budget announcement, there's normally a few pre-budget speeches, where the finance minister of the day gives a wink and a nudge as to what New Zealanders can expect in the budget and what they really shouldn't give their hopes up on. There's a lot of demands on the public purse and every year there's groups of people unhappy. There's been a general consensus in New Zealand over the last few years that we have significant deficits in housing, health, education and infrastructure. What I mean by that is There's a view that underinvestment in these areas over the last 30 years by governments of both stripes has put tremendous pressure on those key areas. We have a housing crisis in New Zealand. Economists have estimated that we're short by over 100,000 houses. Numerous pipes have burst in the capital, Wellington, due to ageing and outdated fresh and wastewater infrastructure. Child poverty is a problem, with one in seven children living in households with income poverty. These are just a few examples that many say are symptoms of New Zealand's underinvestment. I want to make the case today that we have another deficit, and that's an animal welfare deficit, which urgently needs attention. Broadly speaking, monitoring and enforcement of animal welfare in New Zealand falls to two agencies – The Ministry for Primary Industries is responsible for animals and agriculture, and the SPCA is responsible for companion animals and animals raised on lifestyle blocks and hobby farms, which would typically be considered farm animals. Both MPI and the SPCA have powers to investigate and prosecute under the Animal Welfare Act in cases where animal abuse and neglect has occurred. MPI's Animal Welfare Inspectorate is fully funded by the government, but they are woefully ill-prepared for the task. Case in point, in November 2019, 180,000 chickens died on a farm on the outskirts of Auckland. It took 16 months to MPI to fully investigate the incident. It was only last month that MPI referred the case to a Crown solicitor, who still has to decide whether they will prosecute. MPI blamed this delay on COVID-19, but considering the significant loss of life, 16 months is really too long. And it's not difficult to see why. The New Zealand Herald reported earlier in the year that an Official Information Act request in August 2020 
revealed MPI only had 27 full-time dedicated animal welfare inspectors for the whole country. To put that into context, there are over 160 million farmed animals in New Zealand. That's nearly 6 million animals per inspector. Their funding is low as well. In their 2019-2020 report, MPI received $15 million for animal welfare education and enforcement, which their inspectorate is a part of. The SPCA's animal welfare inspectorate is not fully funded by the government. The SPCA say it costs $10 million to run its inspectorate, of which it receives only $2.5 million from the government. And that's just for the SPCA's Animal Welfare Inspectorate. Of course, they have 35,000 animals passing through their 35 centres every year. It costs $50 million to fund their whole organisation, which includes their rehoming programme, which has been stretched to its limits. That $50 million largely has to come from donations. In recent years, the SPCA has restructured its organisation so it can better cope with its mammoth task. This has led to the closure of some of its centres, and countless other small rescue charities have popped up all around the country to deal with the countless animals that need rescuing and rehoming. Many of these smaller charities are running on the smell of an oily rag, operating solely on donations and volunteers. And these charities are stretched to their limits as well, often having to turn away animals because they can't accept any more. It's a thankless task, and they almost never get the recognition they deserve. None of this is new. Academics and animal advocates have been asking for reform within the animal welfare space for many years, and unfortunately there were no surprises for them in this year's budget. In fact, not a single cent of additional spending was allocated in this year's budget for animal welfare. SBCA hit back immediately. In a pretty critical statement to the media, SBCA Chief Executive Andrea Midgen said the lack of financial support was a difficult pill to swallow. SAFE was equally dismayed, noting the inadequacy of MPI's Animal Welfare Inspectorate, which is entirely down to resourcing. And no doubt the countless stressed and exhausted rescue charities up and down the country won't be feeling the love that they have for the animals they rescue, often with nothing but the generosity of the public to support them. Future budgets might mean more money for animals, but until then, we still have an animal welfare deficit. The greyhound zipping Sarah that tested positive for methamphetamine earlier this year has made for a big story in the media over the last couple of months. We've talked about it a lot on Animal Matters, and it turns out there's even more to the story. A couple of weeks ago, Michael Moore, an investigative journalist at NewsHub, revealed that a co-owner of Zipping Sarah is a director on the board of Greyhound Racing New Zealand and is also on the board of the Racing Integrity Unit. The RIU laid charges against Zipping Sarah's trainer, Angela Turnwald, as a result of the positive test for meth, and she was fined and disqualified for racing for four months. Zipping Sarah, it turns out, is part owned by a group called the Us Syndicate. One of those in the syndicate is Kevin Brady, who is linked to both Greyhound Racing New Zealand and the RIU. He confirmed he owns a stake in Zipping Sarah and has shares in a number of Greyhounds. The head of the RIU said that Brady left meetings that discussed the matter, but this illustrates one of the big problems with the Racing Integrity Unit. It's run by the racing industry, it's not independent, 
and it turns out its board members have significant conflicts of interest. Racing Minister Grant Robertson told NewsHub that from July 1 this year, the Racing Integrity Unit will cease to exist and will be replaced with a new Racing Integrity Board. Details are so far sparse, other than it'll be an independent entity separate from the racing codes. How much power it will have is so far unknown, and I imagine it probably still won't have prosecutor powers under the Animal Welfare Act. That's still the remit of MPI, who have now launched investigations into two doping cases in the racing industry, following calls from SAFE to do so. They're making inquiries into Zipping Sarah's case, as well as harness racing trainer Jesse Alford, who was caught injecting formalin, a banned substance, into two horses. We've talked about both of those cases at great length on Animal Matters. Now Thoroughbred Racing has its own methamphetamine scandal. Last week, Stuff revealed that two winning horses, both trained by Alan Sharrick, tested positive for meth at a race meeting on Anzac Day. The Racing Integrity Unit is now investigating this new case and have informed MPI who are also making their own inquiries. It's not yet clear who exactly doped the two horses. The trainer, Alan Sharrick, maintains he had nothing to do with it. Whatever the circumstances are, the racing industry is rife with meth and animals are suffering. Serious action needs to be taken. Greyhound Racing currently has an independent review underway. Obviously, Thoroughbred and Harness Racing need their own reviews. And until that can be completed, all racing needs to be suspended. There are animals' lives at stake. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Appleby. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, mate wa.